With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm listening to your show. I'm the point that there's limited news coverage. I just want to know what your viewpoint is. Because major news organizations have been told on, you know, what they can report on. The people's voice. Welcome back. Welcome back. I am Trey Evans, the people's voice. Thank you for tuning in again for another episode of the podcast. Um, when we left off last week, I was um, going through the five causes of poverty in America. And what I wanted to do um, to continue that conversation was to then offer or at least discuss some of the solutions that have been presented to assist with alleviating poverty in America. And just... I guess just as a quick background for maybe of those of you who are catching the second part of this and haven't had a chance to listen to part one, um, I do encourage you to go back and listen to part one. Um, I went through the five causes of poverty in America, um, and I'll just quickly state them here. So the five causes of poverty in America are number one, uh, lack of access to quality jobs. Number two is um, housing and lack of um, of quality housing. Uh, the third one was abuse of drugs and alcohol. The fourth was uh, education or lack of quality education or access to um, adequate training and education. And then the last one was health um, because health and medical expenses play a huge role in um, the difference or at least one of the causes of um, poverty in America. And I'm specifically talking about America. Um, Obviously, poverty has no boundaries. And, um, you know, any of us who know anything about the world and you don't have to be a world traveler to know this, you know that poverty is extends to every corner of the world and affects every race, color, creed, religion, social class, so on and so forth. So um, that's what I covered last episode. So this episode, what I wanted to do was focus on some of the solutions, at least the solutions that have been presented, that have been discussed. Um, Some have been enacted, some have not. And, um, you know, I thought that would be a good discussion to have today because, you know, I'm really about solutions, right? Uh, we all know what the problems are, but I'm a big solutions person. Um, you know, I'm not really one to pontificate on just problems, problems, problems. I'm always, I'm always focused on solutions, right? Because there, there are always going to be problems with what are the solutions. And obviously something as big as or something as huge as poverty uh, in a country, let alone in the world, is a huge task. And no one solution is going to um, bring it to an end. But I do believe that um, if you are applying a little bit of this and a little bit of that, kind of like if you're making a, a dish or you know, you're seasoning food for those of you who cook or you know really those of you who eat you know what good food tastes like um you know it's a combination of things that make the food taste great and uh, I'm a firm believer that um when it comes to problems there can be multiple solutions to bring the problem to an end so 
Uh, today, I wanted to focus on the solutions surrounding poverty in America. And I guess I should just go in order from what I discussed last week in terms of the causes. And maybe I'll just do it like that because there are so many different solutions and, you know, it could really become a long and drawn out um, discussion here. So I want to just stick to the, I'm going to stick to five solutions, just like I presented five causes of um, poverty. I'm going to stick to five solutions and kind of present what has been discussed and um, you know, we'll go from there. So um, one of the first causes of poverty, as I said, was lack of edu- um, lack of um, access to quality jobs. And uh, when I was talking last week, I was, you know, talking about the working poor um, and some of the assumptions that many people have about poverty is they think that, well, people that are in poverty is usually a circumstance of an individual having no means of employment or not being able to work or things of that nature, but that's just not the case. Um, you know, many times, uh, especially in America, and again, I'm focusing just on about America, uh, many people that are in poverty have income. They just don't have the income that allows them to sustain a lifestyle that uh, is uh, a lifestyle that allows them to have access and a quality of life is what I'm trying to search for, an adequate quality of life because they just don't have the means, the financial means to keep up with the cost of living in an expensive country such as America, right? Um, things in America are very expensive. Um, just And when I say things, I'm just talking about basic needs. I'm not even talking about um, luxuries or other items, um, you know, some of the, um, the, the wants of life, right? The, the needs are expensive in America, right? Just basic housing and, and food and, 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 and um, you know, access to utilities and internet. Those, those are basic needs and those are very expensive. Um, the luxuries for somebody who is um, in poverty or uh, are among the working poor are astronomical um, and that's a whole nother conversation in terms of how money is spent but let me stay let me stick to what the discussion is today so the first topic was lack of access to quality jobs and lack of access to quality jobs is one of the causes of poverty in America so how do we salute how do we solve that well um, one of the first ways that have has been proposed um, here recently is an adjustment, first of all, to the minimum wage. And I wanted to first discuss those individuals who are working and um, how to help or assist with bringing them above the poverty line. So it has been discussed and has, you know, been passed that, you know, the minimum wage in many states is just too low. Um, and it has been proposed that all states raise their minimum wage eventually to $15 an hour. Now, um, you know, $15 an hour is a wage that will allow individuals to come up in terms of what their current wages are, right? It's still, it provides a little bit of breathing room, but it really doesn't provide, in my opinion, the necessity for an individual or family of four, let's say, if you have two individuals making $15 an hour at an eight-hour job, um, I don't understand or see how that could possibly get someone above the poverty line, particularly in the economy that we're in now where 
inflation has increased dramatically since uh, COVID-19 and um, rents are, you know, through the roof. And typically when you're talking about someone who is making, um, you know, a minimum wage, um, you're talking about somebody who's probably renting or um, living in inadequate housing because, you know, $15 an hour, eight hours a day, five days a week, that's $600 a week. Um, you're looking at, what, $2,400 a month, um, you know, $2,400 a month with two kids. Um, that's $28,000 a year. If it's two individuals, now you're at $56,000 a year, $57,000 a year, and you still would be considered um, someone who is just barely over the poverty line with four kids, but if you have, or, or, or I should say four members, but if you have five members, now you have $57,000 a year, you're still uh, below the poverty line. So, um, you know, one of the ways that I, you know, feel that we can tackle poverty in America, especially among the working poor, is that we should propose a, a, a living wage, right? And the living wage, in my opinion, has to be somewhere between, you know, 18 and $22 an hour. Now, you know, once you start proposing those type of numbers, first thing everyone says, well, okay, well, if you propose uh, a $20 an hour wage um, and you're doing that, uh, for every job, who's going to pay for it, right? Well, that's where uh, the conversation, as far as me, that's why the solution is so difficult to implement because when you put that in place or that requirement, that means that everyone has to agree that there has to be an increase in how much is charged for a service or a product and how much is then paid to that employee. Now, will everyone agree to that? Mm, that's where it gets tricky, right? Um, because <laughs> in order for that to work, you need agreements from not only the employers, right? And this is federal employers as well, because many federal uh, jobs um, up until the mandate to, to get to $15 an hour, we're not paying $15 an hour for their minimum wage, right? So um, you need to have a buy-in from not only the employers, all right, but you also need a buy-in from consumers because consumers will ultimately have to eat the cost for having a higher wage um, paid to employees. But I, I firmly believe that if you're paying and a wage of $20 an hour, I think that's more than a livable wage. Um, you know, that's $800 a week, $3,200 a month. And at the same time, you know, from an annual perspective, you're looking at well, what $38,000 a year. Uh, you do that with, with two individuals making $38,000 a year. And you're probably looking at something close to what's that seventy probably seventy two seventy seventy six seventy yeah seventy six thousand dollars a year now we're talking about money that allows for an individual family to not only be able to comfortably take care of their uh needs but also allows them to participate. Uh, with gathering some of their wants, right? And, you know, that is one way that I think in terms of the cause of poverty is access to quality jobs. Let's look at raising the wage for the working poor from not just a minimum wage, but raising it to a livable wage. And um, I think that with that, initiative in hand, that is one way we can begin to curb some of the poverty in America caused by lack of jobs. Um, so that's my first suggestion. Uh, the second 
um, point that I reviewed last week. And again, for those of you who might be tuning in in the middle of the podcast, I am discussing poverty in America. And last week uh, I talked about some of the causes of poverty in America. And this week I want to focus on the solutions to poverty in America. And um, the second cause of poverty in America um, is lack of affordable housing. Now, here in the United States, particularly um, even before COVID, the housing market was very expensive. Um, it's incredible, incredibly expensive for an individual making a minimum wage to get quality housing, right? And quality housing comes with a cost. And if that cost is not being addressed through programs such as rent stabilization and, and things of that nature, then that leaves many families leave, living in inadequate housing uh, areas and just inadequate housing all around, which then can lead to you know further complications um, because without inadequate housing, that kind of has a snowball effect and leads to other issues. Um, matter of fact, let me play this clip. Uh, this is um, a story about a woman who uh, lives in Portland, Oregon, and she basically details um, what can happen or some of the setbacks that occur um, from not having adequate housing and what adequate hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What housing can do in terms of lifting her out of a state of poverty. So let me play that clip. I want to get a house so I can set my goals. Now my goals are to, I want to get back in the medical field. I want to do something for my kids. You know, just a lot. So I want to be stable so that way I could get a better job. And that's just one case, obviously, out of, unfortunately, millions of cases in the United States. Um, that's why adequate housing is so important, because it allows individuals to have a foundation uh, somewhere where they can begin to plan the next steps somewhere that has stability for themselves and their families and allows them to begin to build and to climb their way out of um, a state of poverty. Um, so what's one of the solutions um, for adequate housing? Um, you know, rent stabilization is one uh, that has been used for decades here in the United States. Um, but it's really about building quality housing in centers where there is sufficient access to not only um, affordable housing, but also to some of the other uh, resources that are needed in order to maintain adequate housing, which, you know, include education and healthcare and things of that nature. So, um, you know, relieving the burden of inadequate housing is a challenge. But if policies are targeted towards providing quality housing 
not even quality housing, consistency. I like to use the terms consistency in housing, right? There should not be a drop off in the type or quality of housing as you just navigate from um, community to community. If there is some type of consistency, and I'm not saying that everyone needs to live in, in a luxurious neighborhood, and I'm not saying everyone needs to live in a neighborhood that's inadequate, but there should be some consistency with the quality of housing, and this starts with programs that can be um, produced from a public or a private standpoint. Um, but in terms of the solution, I firmly believe that consistency in the quality of housing needs to happen and then it needs to be affordable, right? It needs to be regulated to a place where individuals who are making a livable wage can have adequate housing consistently. It should not be a case where um, if an individual loses his or her employment that, you know, in less than a month, they no longer have housing. Um, if you provide affordable housing, I firmly believe that that can help with some of the uh, bumps in the road, so to speak, to help an individual sustain quality housing for themselves and their families. And many of these changes come not only from the private sector, but a lot of this has to come from the public sector as well, right? There have to be uh, policies that which are already in place, but those policies have to be enforced and be on a consistent basis um, to protect renters and to protect discrimination of of individuals who have a minimum wage um, minimum wage um, incomes and also rental protections that are currently in place but are not being enforced to force uh, landlords to honor some of those policies um, to regulate some of the, the, the discrimination in terms of individuals uh, based on color or to discriminate against based on, you know, former past incarceration um, records and um there's even source of, of income for there's even discrimination because of source of income, because, you know, when you are on a fixed salary or a fixed um, on fixed benefits, there are certain income levels that you have to maintain or you are not eligible for benefits anymore. So a lot of this has to be a combination, just like anything else. It has to be a combination of the private sector and also policymakers. But um Number two, in terms of solutions to ending poverty in America is providing lack of quality and affordable housing. The third um, cause of poverty in America, which, uh, again, just to recap, uh, last week I was discussing the causes of poverty in America. I went through um, the five basic causes, I shouldn't say basic, but the five common causes of poverty in America. And um, just to quickly recap as we get through this, uh, there were five that I decided to identify. One was, um, you know, lack of access to quality jobs. Two, lack of access to quality housing, affordable housing. The third one is drug and addiction. Four was education. And then five was healthcare. Um, so right now I'm covering the solutions to those um, causes. And uh, what I am up to now is the third cause of poverty in America, which is drug and alcohol abuse. And I always want to emphasize drug and alcohol because, um, you know, so much, I guess, conditioning has been done to where people don't believe that alcohol is a drug. They, you know, it's become such, so part of the social experience that, Many people discount it, but it is just as addictive as any uh, street drug. 
and you know i've i've seen this firsthand you know i I know individuals in, in my personal life and in my professional life that have an addiction to alcohol so um, I want to make sure when we talk about substance abuse, we are talking about drug. Uh, we are talking about alcohol as well. As a matter of fact, I did a, a podcast about that. If you want to um, check that out um, previous a couple of weeks ago about um, alcohol. But the third cause of, of um, poverty in America is alcohol and drug abuse. And this is a tough solution, right? Because the Addiction is caused as a result of many of the uh, causes that I've already discussed in terms of poverty, right? Um, Those pressures that come from not having housing or a quality job and education and healthcare issues, um, many times when you have an opportunity to talk to these individuals, um, you know, one of the things that they have turned to is drugs and alcohol because, you know, it provides escapism, right? It's a moment to not have to deal with some of the issues that they are having a hard time overcoming. And so um, in terms of the solutions, the solutions very and are very difficult to implement on a consistent basis because so many factors go into it. Um, You know, many times when individuals who have drug and alcohol addictions in order for them to qualify for various programs that will allow them to become um, recovering addicts, and then move on into lives where they can maintain a job and housing, a lot of those programs require that they first become clean for a certain amount of time. Well, if you don't have quality housing and you don't have adequate employment and the the requirements of the program are that you get clean before you can then access those additional benefits. If you don't have those adequate things in place in terms of jobs and housing, you probably will still have to deal with the addiction and you'll be seeking out what you, you know, right? This is what you become conditioned to. So, you know, a lot of times with the policies that are in place, I think one of the solutions is that we have to attack it from a put the resources in place first and let's deal with the addiction, right? Because doing it in an opposite fashion has proven not to be effective. Um, Excuse me. Has proven not to be effective in the United States as yet. Um, so that's one of the solutions, uh, one, of the, one of the things that I would recommend. And that policy, and, and many um, states and countries around the world have taken this approach where let's put the resources in place, get these individuals adequate housing and employment or at least adequate housing and supervised employment and let's work on the addiction in that standpoint. Because the other way around, um, in my opinion, doesn't work Um, because once a person gets to a point where they have a control of their addiction, then if they don't have the adequate housing, you send them back into the communities. And we see this a lot of a lot of times with um, inmates who leave prison, Um, you send them back into the same communities or environments that they were in when they adopted the addiction and you know ultimately they go back down the same path which again leads to um a circle of poverty and inadequate access to uh jobs and quality housing so 
Um, this again, this is required by policymakers to enact policies that um, provide these programs, really taking a deep look on how effective these programs are. And then from a private um, standpoint, having private um, the private sector donate money. And of course, you know, the, the money that's donated, they would be looking for taxes, tax advantages, but have that money donated to have these programs in place. So these individuals can have um, a fighting chance to really um, get over the abuse of drugs and alcohol and have, you know, abundant lives here in America. Um, You know, also the education of drugs and alcohol. I think that plays a huge role. Again, as I stated when I was uh, starting this topic, it's so um, uncommon, or not uncommon, but in the United States, the conversation about drugs and alcohol, it's become such, so, so more, more, excuse me, so much more of a social event that no one really discusses the ramifications of becoming addicted to drugs and alcohol. Now, I know, you know, people are listening and saying, well, no, they talk about cocaine and heroin and, and you know, this drug and that drug. But I, again, and I'm emphasizing it, alcohol is a drug and it is addictive. And I've seen people ruin their lives because of it. And I think more education needs to be um, provided about that. And now with the legalization of um, cannabis, that's going to be the next addiction, which is going to lead to an abundance of individuals living in a state of poverty in the United States. So that was the third um, Solution um, again, addressing the substance abuse issue in America or crisis, I should say, in America, is another method to assisting with ending poverty in America. Uh, the fourth issue that causes poverty in America is the lack of education and um, kind of what I to piggyback on what I was just saying about additional education needed to enlighten the population about the seriousness and the causes of um, well I should say the effects of substance abuse and how that plays a role in how one gets into a state of poverty or how an individual can prevent themselves from um, becoming in an impoverished situation in America. So education of all kind um, is super imperative uh, when it comes to edu, when it comes to relieving or um, alleviating poverty in America. Because, um, but specifically education, and when I'm talking about education, I'm speaking specifically uh, relating to schools, and this is K through 12, because because poverty is a cyclical process, um, particularly when you're dealing with education in families and communities, right? Because if the education is inadequate to start. How is it to be perceived or how or, or how is it to be understood that a child growing up in in, in a uh, community or in a household that is experiencing poverty is now placed into an educational system that is inadequate and does not provide them with the necessary tools to be able to go out into the world and produce um, a sufficient income to raise themselves and their families out of that condition. And, you know, I want to be very clear because I've said this, you know, a few times. I am not an individual who believes education is a silver bullet. But I do firmly believe that in the 
um, early stages or in the development stages of a child, that that discipline, that education provides and the insight, what quality education provides. And I want to emphasize, emphasize that, right? Not just education, not just talking about, you know, colors and history and ABCs and one, two, threes, but education that provides insight, that forces thought, that um, develops critical thinkers. That's quality education. And I do think that's very important, um, particularly in the K through in the K through 12 spaces. And that's, um, you know, from kindergarten to 12th grade, those spaces, it's very important because then those lessons and disciplines and training can be applied as they go out into the world. Now, whether they take those educational skills or those skills that they develop at that level and, you know, decide to go into a higher education or just to go out into the world to, um, you know, build a business or to um, begin their uh, career journeys. That's, you know, the decision that they should have. But when you are dealing with inadequate education to start and you're coming from an environment that doesn't provide you with the necessary resources um, to become these things or to get this training and discipline, how could we expect anyone to um, be able to elevate themselves from that? So that's the problem. Now the solution. So I think um, in terms of the solution, and this has been proposed many times, um, you know, quality education starts with funding. And um, in, the, in, in the United States, we know that funding of education is inadequate. It's, it's um, inadequate. It's not equitable. It is not um, balanced. And, you know, depending on the neighborhood that you live in will dictate the level of funding that your school or your school board or school district receives, which then, you know, um, has a direct correlation of the level of education that you may receive. So I think in terms of changes, that's one of the things that we need to examine and to put forth. And that's, again, going back to policy and uh, making sure that our voices are heard when we are um when elections are upon us. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Or other objectives and um, laws are being debated. Those have to be put on the table in terms of how schools are funded and to get adequate funding. Um, besides that, there, may, there needs to be additional funding from the private sector, right? Um, we, as citizens of the United States, cannot wait on government to make changes for us. Um, <laughs> we all know how slow the government is. So um, in order for exponential change to occur, and this is a large, this is a large task. So I don't want to in any way try to minimize this as if this is something that can be done overnight. But I believe that many people in the private sector have a responsibility as well. And many companies do it, but more needs to be done and private citizens as well to provide additional funding to these schools. That's outside of the federal funding or even the state funding provide private funding. And it shouldn't, ha it should not have to result in somebody deciding to create a private school um, and then, you know, charging, an exorbitant amount of money for the private school. Right. And, and that's a whole nother conversation about education being commoditized. But I firmly believe that if there are um, private institutions and private corporations and um, citizens that have the means to uh, provide additional funding to schools in areas that provide inadequate education, that we really can turn the tide and, 
begin the process of alleviating poverty in America being caused by inadequate education. Again, education is not the silver bullet, but it is the foundation to a, a life for individuals and children that would allow them to um, pull themselves and their families out of poverty. And I strongly um, believe in that aspect of it. So just going through, um, we're almost at the end here. Um, again, just to recap, I'm going over the five solutions to alleviate poverty in America. Uh, last week I was talking about the five causes. So this week I wanted to kind of offer solutions. Again, these are just the five that I've chosen. There are a ton of conversations about causes and solutions um, for uh, ending poverty in America, but these were the five that I decided to highlight. These are the ones that I feel the most passionate about, and so that's why I am um, kind of covering those here. Um, so number five, and number five is one that you know, I, I don't know if everyone knows this. Well, you know, usually the podcast community, those who seek and listen to podcasts um, are seekers of information, right? That's why you, you guys are listening. That's why I listen to podcasts. And so um, you probably all know this. And for those who may not know, um, this is new information. There's nothing wrong with new information, but one of the other causes and which is in the top five causes of poverty in America is healthcare and medical expenses. Um, you know, we do not live in a country that provides universal um, healthcare or universal medical benefits. And in order to be treated for some of the illnesses to stay alive, really, it requires a lot of money. And medical costs have driven many people into a state of poverty. Um, the cost of medication to treat illnesses, the operations to, um, to cure or to at least temporarily um, address certain illnesses and, 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 and other um, challenges that come from medical um, ailments is very expensive. Um, even after insurance is paid or insurance is um, provided by an individual, the out-of-pocket costs can be astronomical. I mean, you know, in some, some averages or, or some estimates say that you know, just to stay in a hospital for a night can be anywhere between, you know, $350 to, you know, $1,000, depending on, you know, what hospital you stay in and what's going on. You know, the cost of a pill can be 15 and 17 and $18 for a single pill. This gets expensive, and we're not even getting into some of the more serious ailments like, uh, you know, um, cancer treatments and diabetes and and heart and, and, and liver transplants and things of that nature, it gets very costly. And especially when you have a chronic illness, um, because those chronic illnesses require, um, require medication in order to treat the illness, right? Because one of the, um, I guess, I don't want to call it secrets, but I guess one of the unknown facts or again in terms of discussion I don't think is discussed enough is that you know pharmaceutical companies don't create medication to cure right many medicines are provided just to cope to help you cope with your illness right because there's really no money in the cure the money's in the sickness um, but that's a whole nother conversation and I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But um, medical expenses and health care issues can lead to a life of poverty. So how do we how do we abstain from that? That's very difficult um, when you are in a poverty envi in, a, in an environment where poverty is prevalent you don't have access many times to quality health care because 
in order to have the illness treated, you have to be able to access um, facilities that can adequately adequately diagnose and to treat the illness. That does not occur oftentimes in communities that lack these type of resources. So one of the biggest things that I preach is about preventative health. And preventative health comes from um, diet and exercise. Now, I know many people will say, well, wait a second. I don't even have access, in, 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 and I'm saying people in, the, in communities of poverty don't have access to um, purchase food that is in line with a healthy diet because oftentimes access to fresh fruits and vegetables are not within walking distance. Many times in these communities, um, access to um, vehicles or even public transportation it takes quite an effort, so I understand that. Um, but if you are able to get to in a place where there is quality foods, vegetables, fruits, that is definitely one way to stir the tide of eventually developing some sort of illness Um that's going to cause a state of poverty. Um, also diet. I mean, also exercise as well. Exercise can be done in so many ways. And I, I love it when I go to various um, neighborhoods, um, sometimes that are of low income neighborhoods. And I see um, some of the um, community out there doing just workouts in the park. Right. Just using whatever is available to continue to work out, to continue to try to stem the tide of eventually developing an illness as a result of poor exercise or diet. So that's one of the solutions and how that's done, again, from a policy standpoint, putting policies in place that require neighborhoods to have these have access to these resources or at least making sure that they have. Um, transportation available to get them to the areas that have access to um, to grocery stores that have fresh fruits, vegetables, to areas where to building parks that have the ability for them to walk or run or be able to work out to maintain their um, their health. So that's definitely one of the solutions that I recommend. Um, in terms of um, the billing practices, Listen, the cost of medical um, assistance, the cost of medical um, help in the United States is outrageous. And I detailed some of that just, you know, a few minutes ago, some of the cost. We have to begin to hold these hospitals and medical facilities accountable in terms of what they are allowed to build. And this is, again, I'm not saying that this is a easy task and this is something that can just be easily done with a swipe of a pen over conversation this is going to take a long time but it has to be addressed because if a person is struggling to pay the basic necessities of life right just to keep a house a a roof over their head um, food in, in their stomach clothes on their back you cannot expect an individual to now also maintain a, a high um, coverage of, of insurance to ensure that if there's an issue, they'll be able to have the money to deal with an illness, right? So we have to begin to put more pressure on um, these medical facilities, on to these insurance carriers, and also on to our public officials to put legislation in that requires um, medical facilities to uh, not put these type of financial burdens on those who struggle with paying their monthly um, their monthly bills, especially when it comes to the elderly, because many many elderly individuals end up co- becoming part of the um, community of poverty because when they develop sicknesses, 
they don't have the a financial means to um, be able to um, support those causes, I mean, to, to support those issues. So we really have to begin to examine that aspect of it. Um, you know, there, there's been so much uh, conversation about uh, medical debt and, you know, coming up with more clever ways to reduce that debt, which just goes back to, you know, what I was saying in terms of recruit, re- reducing medical expenses. Um, this really has to, this really has to be at the forefront of our conversations when it comes to poverty in America. And then in terms of healthcare itself, um, again, and education plays a huge role. It has to be more healthcare education that is presented to these communities to uh, warn them and to alert them of, you know, some of the challenges that will come when um, the diet that is consumed on a regular basis, what that can lead to further down the line, because I don't think there's not enough education in terms terms of what um, a poor diet can do to lead to further medical complications down the line. So um, those are the, those are the five solutions that I would, propose. Um, I could talk all day about this because it's such a huge topic, but I don't, you know, I don't want to minimize it and just say, well, here's the five solutions. Here's the five causes. Here's the five solutions. Let's just do it. But I think it's food for thought. I think it's some, it's, it's a start. It's, it's a start of a conversation uh, or a continued conversation with many of these um, solutions, but it is time for us to act as individuals, as members of the community, as citizens of the country. Um, poverty affects all of us one way or the other, right? So even if you may be listening to this and you say this has nothing to do with me, but it does though, because you know each citizen that um, is adversely affected by poverty becomes a responsibility to the community at, at whole. And if you don't think that you are affected by it, I would, I, would, I would caution you and tell you to look at this issue a little bit deeper to see how it affects you directly. So that's my time today. Um, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Um, I hope you've been enlightened a little bit by it. And, um, you know, we're going to continue to work here at the people's voice to bring these type of topics to the forefront and continue to do the work to help eradicate some of these issues. But as always, dreams are not just for sleeping. Please wake up and live your dreams. My name is Trey Evans, the people's voice. Tell somebody about the dream. Salute the people's voice.